0: Today we're concluding our vision series, uh, sermon series, and with a title of a message called How We Serve. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to turn there. And a few months ago, we went through the Sermon of the Mount in Sunday school, and we came upon um, a verse that I shared with people I thought was one of the most scariest verses in the entire Bible, And you're thinking, you know, it's the Sermon of the Mount. You know, what can possibly be scary about that? I mean, we're studying Revelation. I mean, that stuff can be pretty scary. If you think about asteroids falling and and hitting the earth and the water turning to blood and different things like that. And the reason that this verse that I'm going to just kind of start with here today is a little scary to me is because it speaks to complacency in our walk with God and especially in our walk with ministry or just doing things to do things to look busy but not really doing anything of eternal value. And this verse is seen in Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus says, "'Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, "'will enter the kingdom of heaven, "'but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. "'Many will say to me on that day, "'Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, "'and in your name drive out demons "'and perform many miracles?' And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's a very frightening notion to think that we're serving Jesus when in reality, he isn't any part of what we're doing. And Paul had this issue with the church in Corinth when he was ministering there. Because in Corneth, there didn't seem to be any shortage of false preachers, and, and people would, would wow people with their oratory ability, with their speaking ability, and they would draw people to themselves, and they would teach false doctrine, and they would we, you know, get into the church and, and try to split the church and, and do all kinds of things um, to um, hinder the gospel of Christ going out to the, the people. And that's the background of our scripture here this morning that we're reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And Father God, we just ask that your word judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, that it touch us this morning, that it changes our minds and our way of thinking to a way that further serves the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community. Father, we commit this time to you, Lord. In your name, amen. The big idea of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 here is actually another scripture, and that is that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one of us may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The idea of the judgment seat of Christ is something that should always be in the forefront of our minds and it is in the forefront of my minds because if you boil down what i believe my responsibility is as your pastor it's to make sure that you make it to the judgment seat of christ because there is another option and that is the white throne judgment and i don't want to see anybody attend that judgment because if you're at the white throne you're doomed So I want to make sure that you're saved. I want to make sure that you have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that you're running after him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because I want to make sure that you get there, and I want to make sure that when you get there, you have something to give him, that you will get a reward from, that you can hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. So as we consider this morning that we will all have to give an account someday, and that accounting of our lives will be tested by the fire of God's holiness, as it says here in the scriptures, I want to give some principles that will help guide us in doing God's work in such a way that will survive the fire of his testing. And I've made it kind of easy, and I made three R's for us to remember. The first R is to realize realize that no flesh will glory in his sight what does that mean that means that nothing done for our sake and not God's sake will be will even survive this fire nothing like that will survive the fire of God and we see this in the bible in the story of nahab and abihu in leviticus 9 and 10 now leviticus 9 the israelites are celebrating their first ever tabernacle worship service if you look at it this is their first service in their new church they've done everything according to the law of god they set up the tabernacle they've made the the altars they have made the incense burners they've made the lampstands they've made the tables they've done everything according to how god laid it out in front of moses and now they're celebrating their first ever worship service then just think of the joy that is going on And, and they put the the altar out in front there, and they, they put the sacrifice on exactly as prescribed in the law of Moses. And as, as Moses began to pray, the fire of God comes down and consumes that sacrifice. Imagine that. We think it's, we think it's a good church service if we feel you know, some, some little uh, chills during worship or, or during the sermons. Here, they got fire falling out of the sky and consuming the entire sacrifice. That's an incredible worship experience. Amen? And Moses and Aaron, they're 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 kind of finishing up, and they're blessing the people. And then all of a sudden, Nahab and Abihu decide that that they want to get in on this. They 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 they're priests, you know. They've been ordained as priests. They've received the anointing. They've received the clothes. They've received the commission. They've experienced the presence of God with Moses and Aaron up on the mountain. They were there. They were eating in the presence of God on the mountain. So they are the high priests. They they get to do certain things in ministry to God. So they go and they fill their censers. And if you don't know what a censer is, you can see it kind of in some older churches where they, they wave this bowl on a chain around and there's uh, smoke and incense coming out of it. That's a censer. So they go and they offer... This strange, or they offer this uh, sacrifice to God with the incense and they're waving it around, and suddenly fire comes out and kills them. Why is that? Well, God had very specific orders and how Israel was to worship. This wasn't the time for the incense. This was not the time. And it seems like a very, very harsh judgment. But stick with me here just for a minute. Why did God just kill his priests? Why did he just turn them into ash and pretty much skeletal remains? I mean, weren't they trying to honor God? Weren't they trying to worship God? Well, you have to say no. They were trying to get out front and, wor- and draw attention to themselves. They're trying to say, hey, yeah, you got Moses and Aaron over here, but you got us too. Hey, look, we're doing it too. God dealt with that very, very, very harshly at that point. We are not to honor ourselves when we serve God. We have to be very, very careful to always make sure we reflect any success or or anything we do for God back to God. You know, God's not looking for us to be successful. Did you know that? He's not looking for us to be successful. Because if he's looking for us to be successful, then Jeremiah was a miserable failure. He preached for 40 years and didn't have a single convert. Nobody listened to him. Matter of fact, he pretty much got beat up almost his whole ministry or thrown in in cisterns and all that kind of stuff. He was horribly disrespected. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be humble. And he puts down a principle here in Leviticus chapter 10, about those who serve him. And God told Aaron and Moses, when, the, when I imagine they were pretty shocked. I mean, all of a sudden, Aaron's sons are, are a pile of ash here, and they're going, what is this? And God told them, he said, among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of the people, I will be honored. That is the principle in which we serve God. That is the principle in which we do things for God and we live for God, is that he will be honored. And I just want to bring up here, in the Pentecostal church, we have a history for calling for the fire of God to touch us, don't we? We sing songs like, send the fire, send the fire, you know, fire of God, fall. But we have to be careful about that because the fire that was seen on the day of Pentecost could only dwell on a people that, who were in the upper room because they had taken care of their sin by trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior and by living lifestyle of repentance. And I want you to consider something before we talk when we are talking about the fire of God falling upon us. Why is hell described as the unquenchable fire? Have you ever really thought about that, why God uses fire in this way? Because spiritually speaking, fire's job is to punish and destroy sin in our lives. And that's what hell is. It's a continual punishment and and, um, destroying of sin. And when we call upon for the fire, we're calling for purification. And this is the same fire, by the way, that touched Nahab and Abihu. This is the same exact fire that we call upon in the Pentecostal church. The difference between them and us is we're covered and protected by the blood of Jesus. And thank God for that. Again, those who approach me, I will show myself holy. And in the sight of all the people, I will be honored. So as we serve God, as we, as we do things for him, as we go out there and proclaim him into the community, we have to remember we're doing this for his sake and for his honor. And realizing that, it'll bring us to the second R, which is to remember. Remember to check our motives for serving. It's not about us. Let me say that again. It is not about you. It is not about me. It is not about the Assembly of God as a fellowship. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a story of a pastor who graduated at the top of his class in seminary. He's a star of his class. He's valedictorian. He's a bright future. So he's handpicked by his denomination to go and attend the to go and um, become the senior associate pastor of the largest church within that denomination. And with the idea that he is going to take over that church in a few years when that pastor retires. So he goes and he, he um, becomes a part of this church. And he starts organizing it and he starts getting to know people and volunteering. And he got there right at the, you know, in the middle of summer and it's coming into the fall and they're going to have their annual uh, carnival where they bless people going back to school. They give them backpacks and school supplies. And in the midst of that, they have a big carnival. I mean, it's, it's huge, big church. They have a, Carnival rides. They have games. They have bounce houses. They have all just this huge party atmosphere going on. And they end the carnival with a special evangelist that they brought in to the church. And everybody would kind of go from the carnival into the church building and and get to hear the gospel. So there the service has begun, and one of the ushers runs up to this young pastor and he says, Pastor, pastor, you know, there's there, something happened in the bathroom. I don't know if somebody ate too much hot dogs or what, but they pretty much blew out both ends, and, and it's just it's smelly. It's a mess in there. What do we do? What do we do? He goes, but I got I to gotta go usher. And, and so the guy runs away, and so the, the pastor walks in there, and he's like, oh. And he closes the door, and he, try, he runs around trying to find one of the janitors to go clean this up because, I mean, the, you know, it's starting to smell in the hallway even. And he's looking around. He's looking around. He can't find somebody. So out of desperation, he just finally locks the door. And, but the problem is, is that's the only bathroom for, for guys on that side of the church. You'd have to go through five locked doors to get to the next bathroom. So there's no bathroom for the men who keep coming out looking for a bathroom. And it just, it kind of just disrupted the service and everything and disrupted, you know, the hospitality of the church. And, after the service, the pastor walked out in the hallway, and he saw, you know, there's a sign, bathroom closed. And so he walks up to his associate and goes, hey, what's up with this bathroom closed? And he goes, oh, pastor, you don't want to go in there, man. It's, 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 it's pretty bad. It's horrible. He goes, at the beginning of service, somebody got really sick in there, and it just just blew it up, and it's just nasty. And I couldn't find a janitor, so we just had to close the service. he goes, and pastor said, yeah, you know, I saw people leaving the service, and they never came back. He said, What you know, what, what happened? Why didn't you go clean it up? And the guy's like, I'm a pastor, I'm not a janitor. Please, I'm a pastor. I don't do that. That's not my job. And the senior pastor just kind of looked at him and nodded and said, follow me. They walk out into the parking lot. You know, they're in the northern state, so they have plenty of potholes in their parking lot. And he said, you know, when I first became a pastor, my pastor brought me out to the parking lot and and told me the same thing I'm about to tell you. And he said, if if it means that people come to Jesus, we should be ready to lay down inside each one of those potholes to make sure people can get into this church and hear the gospel. We should be willing to lay down our lives so that people can hear the gospel. So why can't you clean a bathroom again? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? All of us should have Jesus' attitude about this. Paul in Philippians says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And listen to this, it says, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the very same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he f- and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself humbled himself and became obedient, even death on a cross. You see, that young pastor liked the office of pastor. He liked being called pastor. He liked the recognition. He liked the respect. But he forgot for a moment the example that Jesus set for all Christians, but especially those who lead. And if you are a Christian here, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, it's no longer about you. And trust me, I'm preaching to myself here as much as I'm preaching at you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about this church. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. When we realize that no flesh will glory, when we remember to check our motives, we come to the third R, and that is to resolve to serve in God's will. I was actually called to the ministry in 1999, and I felt the call under the ministry of my senior pastor at the time, Ed Day. And before coming here, he kind of got me on the road, but before coming here, I was either directly offered or asked to candidate at at least, it might be more, at least six different churches in that 15 years since then. Six different churches. And each time, you know, as you would with anything, you, know, you find out that you get to do something new or you're going to get to, to fulfill your calling, you get excited about that. And you start thinking, man, I can go there, and I can, I can do this, and I can do that, and, and God's going to move this way, and revival's going to happen, and all these things are going to happen. And, and, you know, I get really excited about that. But each and every single time, I would seek God about it, and his answer would be no. And it was very frustrating for me. I'm not going to lie to you, it was very, very frustrating at times. And I I got to the point in my life that it almost seemed like I I was wondering if I heard God right. I mean, I was serving as an interim pastor, I was serving as an associate pastor, both volunteer, both unpaid, both largely even unrecognized a, a lot of the time. And it just seemed, I was like, okay, God, did I hear you right? Did I... Have I just, you know, spent the last 15 years pursuing this and and nothing is happening? I mean, it's like you pull out the chair and then yank it back. I feel like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. I mean, it's kind of how I was starting to feel. And I would be in prayer, and God would continually give me two examples from the Bible. And that's from Moses and Joshua. Moses, if you consider his life, he's called at 40 years old. God said, you are going to be the ones who lead... the." nation of Israel out of captivity. It's going to be you Moses. I'm calling you to do this right now. And it was like right now because Moses started running right away. He didn't wait to hear about how God wanted it done. He didn't wait to see how how or when God wanted to do it. Moses started to run. And he ran off into his own strength. And what happened? He kills a man. He thinks he's going to be a great military leader and decides to start the civil war right there. He just kills an Egyptian. Israelites didn't really respond to that very well because they went and turned him in. They said, aren't you the guy that that just killed an Egyptian? What are you going to do, kill me too? I mean, they called him out on it. So God, I I imagine in heaven, if he didn't didn't know the future, which he does, but I'm just saying, if he knew he was in heaven, he's just kind of going, okay, Moses, you're grounded. Okay, God, how long am I grounded for? 40 years, desert, go. We think it's a, I thought it was bad waiting 15 years. Moses had to wait 40. (laughs) Joshua is another one. Yeah, but Moses had to wait 40 years. Joshua served Moses for 40 years. He got to see firsthand how to be a leader after god's heart how to serve the lord how to spend time in his presence he got to see it first and and joshua really only made one mistake in his life but it was a very very costly one joshua was told to go and conquer the promised land he was told uh, because of god's judgment upon those people to wipe out everything he goes you do not leave a single person alive and to our sensibilities that seems like a pretty harsh thing but God had given these people all kinds of warnings. He had sent prophets. I mean, you see it throughout the Bible. He doesn't leave them without a witness. He sent prophets. They killed the prophets. He said, okay, you guys are done. It's time for judgment. I can't allow this evil to continue to exist. So he sends Joshua with the Israelites to wipe them out. Well, some of these people hear about it and... Um, come to and decide to try to trick Joshua called the Gibeonites. Gibeonites hear about it and they show up in rags and they show up with worn shoes. They show up with holes in their and their supplies, like they've been traveling a long journey. And they said, hey, we've heard about the God of Israel. And we want to have a treaty with you and all this kind of stuff. And we come from a faraway land and all this kind of stuff. And, and hey, why don't you like have a treaty with us that, you know, we won't bother you. You won't bother us. We'll live in peace and maybe do trade and all these kind of things. And, and Joshua looked at it and said, yeah, it seems good to me. And it says something very tragic in the Bible right there. He said, but they did not consult the Lord. Joshua, for just a moment, trusted in his own own strength. Just for a moment, trusted in his own wisdom. Just for a moment, trusted what his eyes saw him and did not seek the Lord on it. And what happened? The Gibeonites, for over 100 years, were a thorn in Israel's side. They were a major source of them being led into idolatry. They were a major source of military conflict. Hundreds and hundreds of people died in wars between those two, and they were just a a free way for other nations to march through their land and attack Israel because of one little slip up there. Musicians, if you'd like to come back up. We need to resolve to serve in God's will. As your pastor, I see my role in resolving to serve in God's will is a couple of different ways. And as a pastor in general, there's a few duties that are assigned by God. And those are spiritual and even sometimes physical care of the flock that God has given you. It might need something of going over to your house for prayer or help pick you up off the floor. The other thing is to teach them how to live, how, people how to live, and then live that teaching as an example to them. I used to think that church growth was part of that, that it was my job to grow the church, and I was actually praying about that the other night. I'm driving home. It was about, I don't know, 11.30 at night, and I'm coming up on the hill, coming up over Hixton on the interstate there, and, and I'm praying. It's like, okay, God, you know, it's pretty, you know, we're going into the summer months now, Usually churches go through a little bit of a summer slump with all that. I said, but, you know, fall's coming, and, you know, give me some ideas of how we can, you know, get out in the community, how we can grow the church, and, you know, we got to get the church growing, and we got to get the church growing, and God just stopped me and said, not your job. That is not in your job description, John. Not in your job description. It's my job to grow the church. Your job is to grow me inside of you. Is to submit yourself to me if you do that i'll worry about growing the church and i don't think he was saying that just to me i think he was saying uh, that to everybody here today if we're going to focus on something and focus on serving this community we want to focus on serving in such a way that it brings great glory to our God and King so that someday when we stand before him to give an account, we will not be ashamed. We will not watch a lifetime of deeds and works for Jesus evaporate in a cloud of smoke when he puts his fire to it. I want to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant wholeheartedly, without reservation from God. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And I ask, Father, that it just penetrates into us in a deep and powerful way because we're dealing with one of the chief hindrances of growth in your people and in the body that you call the church, and that is Pride. All this boils down to pride, Father. And I ask, Father, that as we enter back into a time of worship, that you will just do some business with us, that you would point out areas in our own life, Father, where we're holding on to the need for recognition, where we're holding on for the need to fame, where we're holding on to the worship of needing the worship of man. Hi, Pastor John here. I hope and pray that you are blessed by listening to the Word of God being preached today at Whitehall Assembly of God in beautiful Whitehall, Wisconsin. If you'd like more information about us, you can go to our website at www.whitehallassembly.org or if you have a question about the sermon, you can email me at pastorjohnoscar@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and God richly bless you as you continue to grow and serve him.